0: Welcome to the Chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 131 of Chalk Talk. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Jr. underscore. Mark, we get to connect this week. I had to fly solo last week. The, The ratings were bad. The people were saying, bring Mark back. And so we give the people what they want. How are you doing today, buddy?
1: I mean, I couldn't be doing any better on a victory Tuesday here. I I mean, wow. Uh, That was, uh, we're going to talk about it, but I always say it feels a lot better to come on here after a big Eagles win than uh, a loss, obviously. So uh, especially in a big game like that, I am very excited to be here talking football. I've been bathing in the NFL national media circuit today, just listening and watching every single piece of, you know, NFL content that I can. And it, I always say the day after a big win, when you get to just do all that, instead of avoiding it after a loss, it's, uh-huh. it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, we are doing this podcast live. Normally this goes live on Tuesday nights uh, around nine 30 Eastern time. Uh, whenever Mark and I finish getting, uh, finished recording the BGN draft show. Uh, but last night I knew I was going to be up late. I was up till almost one 30 with wrapping post game, getting all my YouTube shorts and stuff up. So I asked Mark, Hey, is there any way we can do this in the afternoon? So I don't have to pull another late night getting this one edited. So that's why we're coming to you live. Now, this is not a new time. We'll be in our normal time slot usually, but a little change up this week. Also, We are coming out of the buy this week and have some new things to unveil. For one, I've got my new computer, so hopefully we will have no more crashing during the show. Uh, Although I did build this one myself, so we'll see if it holds together. Um, So hopefully no crashing here. Uh, Also, we are unveiling a new segment on Chalk Talk. Uh, We enjoy the little sidebar tangent conversations we get into. I think you guys do as well. Sometimes it gets hard to get to those and still keep the podcast in like that hour, hour and 15 minute window that we shoot for. So we are unveiling a new thing called the one minute drill each week. uh, Both Mark and I have a flag we can throw on any game that we want to except the Eagles game. And it forces the other person (laughs) to spend one minute, exactly one minute talking about the game. And then we move on and we will have a countdown on stream on the screen. So if there's a game that. I just don't want to talk about I can throw my flag on Mark Uh, if there's a game that he doesn't want to talk about he can do the same on me limit one per host per week Uh, and to kick it off we're actually gonna kick off the the podcast with the Thursday night show with a one minute drill it's been so long since Thursday nights played by the time we get to Tuesday it's kind of old news so we will split this one in half we are each going to have 30 seconds to talk about the thursday night football game and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the schedule so for our inaugural one minute drill mark are you ready here let's go all right i'll take the first 30 seconds as kind of our normal routine you take the last 30 uh and then we will go from there so without further ado here we go t minus one minute The Cincinnati Bengals travel to Baltimore on Thursday night football on the short week. The NFL needs to abolish Thursday night football because we get injury riddled games like this one. Joe Burrow out for the year with a wrist injury. So the Bengals season is over. Uh, The Ravens lose Mark Andrews, who is out for the season. I'm not going to say their season's over. However, I am walking back my take that they're going to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. They really need OBJ to step up down the stretch.
1: He's been playing better as of late. So he definitely had his best game in a long time this week. So I think he will step up, but I think that they needed him to step up T-minus with Mark Andrews. Uh, Mark Andrews is such a huge part of that. Lamar even said it's his wide receiver one. It's his guy. I I don't think it knocks them out of contention, but it puts them on the Miami Jacksonville level instead of being on the Kansas city level. I think Kansas city is Four, the clear three, number one contender single, in the AFC because one, of that injury.
0: Zero. There you have it, man. It is satisfying to get done right as we hit zeros. I'm not going to lie about that. That worked worked out perfectly. So uh, we're going to start doing that for Thursday night games. Maybe unless it's like just a really, really, really good Thursday night game, because by the time we get to you guys, it is a little bit of old news there. So uh, awesome. We will move on now to the Eagles game. Let's get into the Eagles victory on Monday night football over the Kansas city chiefs. And then as we always do after that, we're going to walk through every game on the Sunday slate, give you guys all the information that you need to know. So the Philadelphia Eagles travel to Kansas city and they beat the chiefs 21 to 17. And what was just a painful game. If you're a fan of good offense, um, I don't know, Mark in this game, was this more really good defense or really bad offense? Like, first of all, how do you, how do you parse this game out? Good defense, bad offense, or a little bit of both? I think it's a
1: little bit of both, a little bit of weather. Um, I I, I think ultimately the way that I want to just boil it down is I don't think the Eagles played particularly well. I don't think, you know, they ran the ball pretty well. So I'll give them credit in that department. I I I think, jalen probably could have been used more on the ground than i would have liked to see that in a game like that uh but you know through the air really low passing numbers obviously uh, not what you want to see from jalen even though after this game he is the front runner in the mvp odds right now on DraftKings. no free ads but uh jalen definitely not his best game the defense you know obviously there's times and there was a couple drops that we'll talk about and they really lapsed in coverage at times and third down Mahomes picked us apart, especially in the first half. And the most concerning part about this game, if you want to talk about a negative takeaway is how Kansas city was able to run the ball, especially in the first half on what I thought was the best run defense in football. Um, So that was the most shocking part of the first half. And I thought the game was over when it was 17 to seven, but for us to say that I don't think we played particularly well in any facet of the game, pass offense, run, run offense, pass defense, run offense, special teams. I thought there were times we got outcoached massively. Uh, I thought that there were times where play calling was an issue on, on the offensive side of the ball. To say all of that and to say that they went into Kansas City and beat Kansas City in the first time that we've been an underdog, and I believe the last two seasons it is pretty incredible. Um, it's pretty incredible to say when they interviewed Jalen in the post game, my first thought was, hmm, is it a pretty weak game for Jalen to, to get the post game interview? But then I'm sitting there and thinking about it, and I'm like, who should get it? Who's the standout star from the game? And the point of it is, there isn't really one. This This team is just resilient and they find ways to win. And they figure out a way, however the game's going, whether it's a high-scoring type of shootout with Washington or whether it's this type of game where each time you're in the red zone, converting to a touchdown is so important in a game like this. And each time we got the ball going, we we moved the ball. Obviously, the yardage numbers, I I don't even know what they finished. I'm not looking at the the stats right in front of me. I think it's like 235. They had something like 235 total yards. They got outgained by more than 100 yards. But all of those yards were gained on three drives, basically that led to touchdowns, and that's what matters. They got down the field, they scored when it mattered, and you know it's truly astonishing that Jalen Hurts is twenty-six and two in his last twenty-eight games, and that Nick Sirianni, I believe now, I forget the exact number, I think it's. I think it's 26 and five in his last 31 games, which is the best 31 game stretch of any Eagles coach in franchise history. But uh, people want to talk about style points. People want to really parse out, you know, does it matter that it didn't look good? Does do these negative takeaways matter to me? You can never, ever, ever be negative about beating Patrick Mahomes, especially when it's in Kansas city.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, you come down to the little things in a game like this, the little things like Andy Reed using all of his timeouts in the first half. And then when the Eagles horribly execute a two minute situation and punt the ball back, you have the ball at the 46 yard line with 44 seconds, but you have no timeouts. And so you have to kick a field goal. You can't go try to score a touchdown in that situation. Uh, you think about when the chiefs are ahead 17 to 14 with nine minutes left and Andy Reid electing to punt the ball on fourth and four from the 39 yard line that goes into the end zone. It's a net 19 yard punt. Like those little decisions stack up. And that's something I talked about on Twitter leading into the game. Like people, I I post a graphic every week uh, about positional edges who I think has the edge between each team. And uh, for one, like I, I put the, Bar like halfway on the chief side for quarterback, and people were after me about like that being too big. And Jalen Hurts is playing so well. I'm like, I'm just here to tell you, like, I think Jalen Hurts is the second best quarterback in the NFL. But same. the gap between him and Patrick Mahomes is about the same as the gap between him and Kenny Pickett. Like, and that's not a shot. That's not a shot at Jalen Hurts. But just watch Patrick Mahomes. The the Eagles the Eagles pressured Patrick Mahomes on 32 of his 50 dropbacks. And he took one sack and one intentional grounding that should be recorded as a sack. But like the, the, the wizard like level with which he navigates the pocket that, that back foot, he threw that back foot ball. He threw 17 yards on a rope to the sideline sideline fade route with Reed Blankenship coming untouched at him. Like those are things and, and it's not a shot at Jalen to say those are things Jalen can't do. Those are things that no quarterback that's ever played the football game can do. And he's so good. And yet, as you're watching the game, I'm just thinking the Chiefs are not putting the Eagles away. They're letting them hang in, and the chiefs the Eagles are so resilient. Like you said, Hertz has now won seven straight games when trailing by double digits. No other quarterback has ever done that more than four times in a row. Um, I started talking about Reed and the timeout usage and things like that. And that's such a big thing. Like people ask about coaching who has the coaching edge? And I would say the Chiefs have the coaching edge across the board in terms of offensive game plan design. The, the way they run their defense, Steve Spagnuolo is such a good defensive coordinator, but the one place that the Eagles have a massive edge is they are lapping the field with how they manage fourth downs. And it, it played out in this game and it costs the chiefs this game. And that's, that's overly like condensing it. That's overly simplifying it, but that's what it comes down to playing cowardly versus playing to go win a game. And I can't understand why Andy Reid, who's one of the best offensive coaches in the league, with the best quarterback that's ever played, it is, is so hesitant to pull the trigger. And, and really, all these offensive coaches, Sean McVay is the same way. Uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan's gotten better about it, but he's well-known for that, too. It, it just baffles me.
1: Yeah, I would say, even though I agree with you, the most frustrating part of this game for me, as an Eagles fan, was third and one. Oh, and man. we line up in shotgun. What are you doing? We have a play that works 100 of the time, as we saw multiple times the rest of the game. I think they ran it three times last night, but they ran it. I think they ran it three times after that. We hadn't seen it yet at that point. If we're in a one yard situation, I don't care if it's second and one. They should be running a tush push to make sure you don't push yourself out of the range to get to go for it on fourth down. And, and I think Nick Seriani might have learned that you know, at that moment. So I hope that that's something going forward that doesn't happen. But besides that, they managed fourth down well. And I was shocked when Kansas City punted from the 39. And that was just, that was dumbfounding, a dumbfounding decision. But obviously I think we've went a while without mentioning a couple kind of key moments from the game and, uh, you know, Kansas City fans and, and, you know, people who want to discredit the Eagles are going to bring up the Travis Kelsey fumble. And they're going to bring up the MVS drop in the end zone, uh, obviously. But uh, the Travis Kelsey fumble to me, you know, that's just a great play. Like that, that's a peanut punch. Uh, you know, shout out to Peanut Tillman, but that, that's a great play. Yeah. And, you know, Travis Kelsey, it's probably, I, I don't, it's less susceptible to that than most players. Like he, you know, he gets the ball all the time and doesn't fumble ever. So that happening shows how good of a play that was. It's not like that was Justin Watson or, or something like that. Um, and then on the other end of things, the MVS drop, that, it, you know, it, it, theres I would be lying. I would be straight up lying if I said that there wasn't a moment where when that ball was in the air and I saw how open he was, that I was hoping that he didn't go down on the one. Yes, I, I can honestly say I saw how open he was, and I was like, oh, well, at this point, please just score. like Don't go down on the one. Do not do the Super Bowl thing where they can just sit on it right on the goal line for another minute, and we can't win the game because they milk the clock. I was hoping for a touchdown at that point so we'd have a chance to go tie it up or go win the game with two minutes left, however, however the, much the amount of time was. For him to drop that, man, uh, it, it does put the Chiefs wide receiver – uh, kind of problem on the forefront, but I can't believe like I can't believe I'm spending time on this breakdown on to to calm people down on Kansas City. But Kansas City, when you give Patrick Mahomes the amount of money that he has to make, and by the way, he's worth double the amount of money that he's making. So people I had when I put this take out there on Twitter, people were like, oh, well, he should have taken a pay cut. And it's like he kind of did. He kind of did, and honestly, whatever he would be paid is not as important as the fact that in every year of his career he has taken the Chiefs to the AFC Championship game, and in three of the five years he's taken them to the Super Bowl. That's worth like $100 million. That's worth more than half the cap, to be quite honest. But no matter what the elite quarterback is, when you pay an elite quarterback to that level, you have to make sacrifices at some spot, whether that be on the offensive line whether that be the the weapons group, whether that be defensive line, linebacker, or secondary, you have to kind of make those organizational choices. The Eagles have made the organizational choice. They don't really care about safety. They don't really care about linebacker. They don't really care about running back. They care about those other positions. And Kansas City had to look in the mirror and say, what's the best path forward with Patrick Mahomes? And I still think the right bet, was to spend the amount of draft capital and free agency capital that they have on the offensive line and on the defense. Because to me, I think they're still the best. I think if I was, you know, gun to my head, I had to pick a team to win the Super Bowl right now. It's still the Chiefs. It's still the team that has Patrick Mahomes in the top three defense. Uh, it's that simple. I think that the rest of it can get figured out. The running game was really impressive last night. Travis Kelsey's going to have better games. Rasheed Rice has—I thought he was open more than he even got the ball in that game. Um, but outside of that, they have nobody. I still think they're going to make the Super Bowl, and I still think they have a really good chance to win it. And I think you know we're going to look back on this receiver conversation we're having and said, "Oh, well, Baltimore's got these problems, and Miami's got these problems, and Jacksonville's got these problems." Like Kansas City. Has less problems than those teams do, even though the wide receiver one is so glaring and it does stare us in the face and it does stand out in big moments.
0: Did you see what happened when Mahomes was walking off the field? Okay, so no. I tweet so I tweeted this last night, and then I woke up and it had it blew up. It had like six hundred and fifty thousand views. But wow. as Mahomes is walking off the field, I'll just play this little clip for you. I caught this live and tweeted it out. He's walking off the field. Tosses his glove to a fan who drops it, and it was just so <laughs> emblematic. Like I, I tweeted that out and I said that Mahomes can't even get a fan to catch his glove after the game. That's unbelievable. Uh, That's that was just emblematic. But a uh, couple things you said, I want to address. One, the fumble on Travis Kelsey was a great play by Bradley Roby, uh, and I'm consistent you can go back to the jets game when the same thing happened to deandre swift and i said that's a great play by the defender like some fumbles are luck that that roby roby punched it out and, and that's a great heads up play uh, you get of course you get another interception from patrick mahomes uh, kevin Bayard, but it, it it wasn't just turnover luck the chiefs had a success rate of 36% in this game uh, for a point of comparison in the super bowl it was 62% Wow. But even if you put all four of those drops down as successful plays, say they catch them and it's a successful play, it still only brings it up to 41%. Like the defense was really good. They allowed only 22.8 yards per possession in the second half. They forced a turnover. They shut the Chiefs out. Now, if the ball gets caught at the end, do the Chiefs win? Probably. The Eagles would have had all three timeouts you're not feeling great about the offense, but there would have been a chance. Um, I, it, you can't just say that it's, it's turnover. Like I thought that the Eagles played Jason Kelsey. Great. They had a great plan for him. Nine targets, seven Travis. receptions. Sorry. Yeah. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I mean, Jason Kelsey played great too. Uh, but uh, Travis Kelsey had seven receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown. Uh, They played a lot of zone coverage where they got somebody. Usually Kevin Byard connected to him early in the route. They had a lot of brackets, a lot of, Mm -hmm. uh, again, a lot of Byard getting physical off the line. Byard was around him all night long, and I thought they did a really good job there. Here's here's a crazy stat for you. We all know the Eagles didn't convert a third down until like the third quarter, right? Jalen Hurts didn't attempt a third down pass until there were seven and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Wow. He connected with Devonta Smith on that drive to take the lead. The Eagles called a pass on four previous third downs and Hertz took three sacks and he had a five yard scramble on a third and 10. And so they were out of sorts. They were constant. Their average yardage to go on third down was like eight and a half or 8.9 or something like that yards. I put the actual stat on Twitter earlier. They weren't winning first and second down. That makes it hard to win third down. But the thing is, like, I'm not concerned about the offense. The offense has been consistently good. They're seventh and DVOA, fourth and drop back EPA, third and rushing EPA, and fifth and points per game coming into this week. What I am worried about, because this is a pattern, is their inability to salt games away, playing with mm-hmm. a lead to end the game up four with five and a half minutes left on the 44-yard line. Not only could they not run the clock out, they couldn't pick up 10 yards to get a field goal to make it a seven-point game. Against Dallas, up five with a minute 17, they go three and out. Against the Jets, up two with four and a half minutes left, they throw the interception and lose the game. This is a pattern. And last year, the Eagles were money. You give the Eagles the ball back with nine minutes and a one-score lead, the game was over. They have not been able to do that. And it's been the defense stepping up and you hope the defense continues to play at the level they did last night. But let's be honest, the chief should have scored on that drive. It was a drop pass away. And so you don't want to make a living on that. So the Eagles offense needs to get better in those end of game situations.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that they get too conservative in those situations. And I will say, I don't want it to be lost that Dallas Goddard wasn't playing in this game either. Um, And and I think that really affected them in the first half. I think they made some adjustments in in the second half. The offense obviously looked better in the second half Two touchdown drives there. Um, Also just want to make sure if anyone's listening, that does gamble. I mean, if you're not betting Jalen hurts anytime touchdowns, you're not living. I mean, it's just say not a great weekend for your boy. Uh, right here um, on the radio show Um, and not that i I actually sean bernard filled in for me on my radio show i was in new york city but i did send in my picks on a little clip and thankfully jalen hurts was my prop of the year uh, on the anytime touchdown so we finished on a positive week after sunday was like oh man this is pretty brutal uh but jalen hurts is my my you know my north star when it comes to when it comes to gambling so Uh, Anyone who's who's out there, check the lines on Wednesday and Thursday. The best way I do it is on Action Network. You go to the prop section. um, You you go and check if any time touchdowns have been uploaded yet, and it gives you where they're at on every book. Last week, for example, on Wednesday, uh, this is for people in legal gambling states, which I think is like half the country. But um, for the people out there who have Action Network, you can go take a look. And on some sites, it was plus one hundred, plus one ten, plus one twenty. FanDuel had it at plus one fifty. Jalen Hurts has thirty-two rushing touchdowns in his last thirty-six games, or something like that. <laughs> he has nine touchdowns this season. Nobody has more touchdowns since his first start. It's he has been, you know, just an he's going to crush every rushing touchdown record that there is for quarterbacks and he's going to challenge some non-quarterback rushing touchdown records um especially you know franchise ones but just wanted to throw that out there might even be worth starting to dabble um and, and take them you know you know to score two touchdowns because he's done that quite a bit at this point so i think i saw people tweeting it out tickets at me they had plus 700 plus 800 so shout out to the people out there who were tweeting that at me all right
0: uh anything else you got on this game or should we move on to Sunday? Yeah, we can move on. Uh, I Yeah, we can move on. Okay, perfect. Let's go to the early window on Sunday where we have the Dallas Cowboys at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Dallas wins this game 33-10. to 10. Uh, Carolina hung around in the first half of this game. They actually made it a one-possession game in the late third quarter when Bryce Young found Tommy Trimble for a four-yard touchdown. Made it a 17-10 game. Got me a little excited. Uh, Dallas responded with a 75-yard touchdown drive, and then they scored nine more points off Carolina turnovers. Uh, Carolina was flagged eight times for 90 yards in this game, including two personal fouls after stops on third and long before halftime. Um, You're not going to win a game as that big of an underdog shooting yourself in the foot like that. Bryce Young had a pick six. He also fumbled in the fourth quarter, Uh, and the Cowboys just sort of put this one away. Deron Bland, who, by the way, was a fifth-round pick last year. He, has inter- he intercepted four passes last season after Thanksgiving. He picked up where he left off at the end of last season. He has six interceptions on the season. He's returned four of them for touchdowns. He is currently tied for the most pick six in a single season in NFL history, so he needs one more to break that record. Uh, Micah Parsons continues to play in dominating fashion. He had 10 pressures in this game. Eight of them came in under two and a half seconds, which is the most in a game by anybody this season. So the Cowboys defense, albeit against a bad opponent, but they bounce back uh, and the Cowboys have a dominating win over the Panthers. What did you see in this one? Uh, I, I have a
1: question to ask you before I get into what I saw. Are, are we in a safe space? Like are, you know, is this going out online? Can people hear what I'm saying? Is they can't.
0: A- but... It's not as easy to search your podcast as it is your tweets. It's always better That's to say true. things on a podcast than put it on a tweet. That's true.
1: I'm going to whisper it. I'm looking around, making sure no one can hear me. Is Dak Prescott an MVP candidate? Is yeah. I, I just want to. Yeah,
0: it, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think he is. Let, let's start with it's going to be a quarterback because it's always a quarterback because. I I, I don't I hate awards anyways. I think they're dumb. The most valuable player is always a quarterback because quarterbacks are just valuable. If it's supposed to go to the person having the most outstanding season, I don't see how you can't not give it to A.J. Brown or Tyreek Hill, maybe Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, those guys. But it's going to be a quarterback because it's always a quarterback. And at that point, you're looking at a quarterback who puts up good stats and gets like the one or the two seed. And that could be the Cowboys. I mean, I think... Realistically, you have Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott. Those are the four realistic guys that can win the MVP. So right
1: now, the
0: odds, uh Jalen Hurts is plus two fifty, Lamar Jackson is plus three
1: fifty, Patrick Mahomes plus four hundred, Tua is plus five hundred. Tua doesn't Brock, have a chance. I agree with you. I-, I agree with you. I don't think he's got the state the the stand kind of the the big statement games remaining to have those performances. Brock Purdy has jumped to 10 to 1 at plus 1000. I think Christian McCaffrey and him will cancel each other out a little bit. Um then you have Dak Prescott at 15 to 1, plus 1500. And then you have another one that we'll get to w- with CJ Stroud uh, at 18 to 1. I think Dak and Stroud are being you know very much, you know undervalued in the market right now. And this is also predictive. This is not who should win right now at this moment. They are probably looking at Jalen hurts and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and saying, not just what their numbers are now, but these teams look like they can potentially have a buy. And these teams look like, you know, they're going to be in good position to get that buy. Whereas Dak would have some ground to make up. Purdy has a little bit of ground to make up Stroud, obviously probably going to be a wild card. Then you have the Caffrey at 22 to one and it drops off after that. Hurdy's not a real candidate. We agree. Tua, I don't think is a real candidate. We agree. So it really comes down to Jalen, Lamar, Mahomes, Dak, and Stroud, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and then you look at what guys do you have? What do you, who do you have an easy path to give another award? It's not going to be Stroud. They'll just give him offensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he really has the converse. He has a, an argument. Yeah, he does, but they won't give it to him because he's a mm-hmm. rookie. They'll just give him offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Tua, they'll give him comeback player of the year. Maybe Josh, or maybe maybe Lamar Jackson could get comeback player of the year. I don't know if he was injured seriously enough, but if you want, if you want some, if you want good odds, Dak's probably your guy.
1: Yeah, and you know, even one of the one of the games that he lost this year uh, to the Eagles, he was fantastic. So it's not like he was a reason that they lost. Well, I mean, he was not good in the San Fran game and he was not good when they lost to Arizona. So that that's, you know, it seems like every one of these guys in the race has the clunkers, the Jalen clunker, I guess is the Jets and then the other semi clunkers they've won. So it's hard to penalize them too much for that. But yeah, I mean, just comparing the numbers of Dak and Stroud to Jalen and Lamar, Um, and obviously you have to add in some of the rushing value that Jalen and Lamar bring as well. That doesn't show up when you're just comparing raw stats. Um, it's, you know, it's hard to make an argument that they're not in the conversation, especially when you consider the fact that Dallas does not have a running game, really. Um, you know, Pollard has been very bad this year. So Dak has had to shoulder a lot of the load there. It's not like they have, you know, they have Ceedee lamb who's been fantastic, but outside of that, it's not like they have any other dominant weapons, their O-line's been kind of injured in and out. Uh, I think Dak's having probably maybe his best year, whether it's his best statistical year
0: or not. I'm not
1: quite sure. Um, but in terms of just his year contributing to winning, it's probably this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And they have a brutal stretch coming up too. Like, people talk about the Eagles stretch. The Eagles actually have an easier schedule remaining than both the Cowboys and um, uh, 49ers. So. Well, the, the
1: problem with that uh, – so I would argue I, – I, it's hard to do this, but I would argue that these next four games are probably – and you, you, know, you include the fact that we just played Kansas City and we just played Dallas. That six-game stretch I know at one point was a harder than any other six-game stretch that anybody had to play this season – But the reason that that strength schedule is being weighed down is because we finished the year with Giants, Cardinals, Giants. Yeah. So I
0: think that, that, yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the Eagles have 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks, and Bills left as tough opponents. But Dallas has Eagles, Bills, Seahawks, so same teams there. But then they have Miami and Detroit. So Miami Mm -hmm. and Detroit versus San Fran. Uh, You look at San Francisco's schedule, they have Baltimore left. They've got Seattle twice, which Seattle's really starting to fall off, it looks like, but we'll get to them. Uh, But those are divisional games. Anything can happen in divisional games. And then the Lions are the team that's sneaky team to worry about for the one seed. I think the Lions represent the biggest threat for the one seed uh, because they have the Cowboys, the Vikings twice, and that's really it. I mean, if you're buying into the Broncos right now, the Saints... The Bears, the Packers, like the Lions have the easy path forward. And, yeah. and I think they are the threat. They're the real threat for the one seed in the NFC. Do you want to jump to that game? Uh, Sure, let's do it. Let's go to Chicago, Detroit. Uh, so they almost lost this one. And for reasons I just stated, I, as an Eagles fan, I was hoping they would. Uh, but they mm-hmm. don't. They end up winning 31 to 26. They trailed by 12 with 415 left. Been a sloppy game. Goff threw three interceptions. The ground game was totally ineffective. Then they scored, and they got a quick three and out, which was just horrible mismanagement by the Bears. Uh, The Bears have the worst defensive success rate in the league this week. They were literally just benefiting from turnovers. Uh, Playing not to lose when your defense was that bad, and Fields was playing so good, it is just atrocious. They went back-to-back runs and then threw a bomb on third and 10, punted it away, and the Lions go score to win the game. So I thought that was atrocious decision-making by the Bears. The Bears need to clean house. Everfluce has to go. That's been known for a long time. He's a joke. Uh, like, this was the thing last year where we were like, maybe they're just tanking on purpose. It is not on purpose. He just has no clue what he's doing. the sneaky thing to monitor here, and this is where it could be concerning for Detroit. Since week seven, Detroit's defense ranks 31st in success rate and 32nd in EPA. Now they played Baltimore in that game where they just got lambasted, but their other games were against the Raiders, the Chargers and the Bears, teams that are not lighting the world on fire right now. So this Detroit defense is something to worry about. And Jared Goff is always something to worry about a little bit. Now, I know this game was at home and I know Goff has been good for a year and a half, but it's still there. And you also get into the if they have to go on the road in Philadelphia or somewhere like that in the playoffs where it's going to be cold, that can also become problematic for Goff. Where The Lions are scary if they get the one seed and the, and the, the NFC title runs through Ford Field. If they have to go on the road, I'm not as worried about this team. And so them getting the one seed, in my opinion, is vital. I think they're the most likely team to challenge the Eagles for that. But you can't set aside how concerning their defense has been over the last month of the season. Before the game last night, I was very much assuming that the Eagles
1: were going to lose to the Chiefs. I was telling people that the Lions were going to get the one seed. Now I think it's like 50-50 between the Eagles and the Lions. Their record, their, their schedule remaining is just not very hard. But man, it would have been huge if the if the Lions could have lost this game, and it looked like they were going to. I forget what the number they were they were up twelve. With, I don't know if you said it, but yeah, up it was 12. Uh,
0: twelve. They were so the Bears were up twelve with four minutes and fifteen seconds left. <laughs> That's just incredible.
1: Iberflus um, is a moron. Um, his press conferences are bordering on concerning. Like for well being, like what is this guy drunk? Um, he, he is just. He, does not come off well and he makes horrible decisions in game. And this is just a totally lost era of football. If you're the bears, like I don't think you rebuilt anything. At least you have some picks coming over the next, you know, you have two top picks this upcoming year, but yeah, Chicago is a joke. So let's not even focus on them. The Detroit side of things. I know that I feel like I've been on a bit of a roller coaster uh, with the Detroit lions and, I was not. We did not take them seriously as a podcast in the preseason. You picked the Bears or you picked the, the the Packers to win the division. I picked the Vikings to win the division, and we were both pretty confident in those picks. I think. And then when it when it comes to the you know, you know the Lions, I don't think either of us were buying the hype. And obviously they've lived up to the hype and some. They're sitting here at eight and two, but I've been on a roller coaster of giving them credit and not giving them credit. And at this point for me inject the lions into my veins as an Eagles opponent over the 49ers and the Cowboys. That defense is a problem in a way that the Niners Cowboys and Eagles don't have on either unit. We can complain all we want about the Eagles defense and some of the concerns that we've seen. We've can, we've put up the- I think they allowed zero points to Miami in the second half. They allowed six points to Dallas in the second half and they allowed zero points to Kansas city in the second half. So those are three pretty good offenses and the Eagles defense did that in three straight second halves there against three good teams. So Detroit's defense just had that four game stretch that you mentioned that Chargers game was concerning that charge. They looked like Swiss cheese in a Chargers game. And the fact that Chicago looked this good offensively for the first time this year, really is also concerning. Uh, so I-, I think this Detroit defense makes the Detroit lions an absolute pretender, but None of that really matters if they get the one seed. If they get the one seed, they at least give themselves a chance. But if they have to play San Fran, Dallas, or Philly in the postseason, I don't care if it's in Detroit. They at least give themselves a better chance to win if it's in Detroit. But I think they will lose to any of those teams in the playoffs. Um, I I think that defense is just not ready for prime time.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're the biggest threat to get the one seed. But if you're ranking like threats to beat – Like, to win the NFC, I still think they're number four, which is great progress for the team. Uh, Hats off to them and what they've done. I just think they're still just missing a couple pieces. Yeah, the
1: concern for the Eagles, really, about giving up the one seed to Detroit would be less about not getting the bye and less about home field advantage and having to go to Detroit. The annoying part of it is you have to play San Fran in the second round, probably. That's really the what you want to avoid. Like, We don't want to play San Fran in the second round. We'd rather play Dallas. We'd rather play Detroit. We'd rather play Minnesota or Seattle, New Orleans, if they get through. You, you don't want to put yourself in a spot where you're the two seed waiting to play the three seed or vice versa and having to go to San Fran. So you almost would rather San Fran get the one seed than Detroit in, in that scenario. But, um, yeah, I, I – I think Detroit, like you said, you said it perfectly. They're the biggest start for the one seed, but not the biggest threat when it comes to the playoff time.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's roll on to our next game here. It is uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns. And Mark, I'm going to throw my flag on you here. Wow.
1: This is a big game.
0: I'm going to put you All on right. the clock for the one minute drill in this one. So the floor is yours. T minus one minute. America, your national nightmare is over.
1: Matt Canada has been fired. Uh, The Cleveland Browns win 13 to 10 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett with another embarrassing performance. Uh, Jalen Warren, 129 yards. I believe that the rest of the offense had 120 um, in this loss. So Jalen Warren needs to be kind of the guy that they build around going forward. Um, I do think that the offense will improve. And the fact that they were in this game with such a pathetic offensive performance, I don't know if it says more about Pittsburgh or if it says more about Cleveland, um, who they had DTR. Who I guess wasn't terrible, 165 yards, 3.8 yards for average, but um, <laughs> not not a great offensive showing. This is I, I know why Shane threw the flag here. I was hoping for DTR anytime touchdown, but couldn't get it home. I think by the way, both these teams are going to make the playoffs. That's the saddest part about all this. I think we're going to have to lo- watch a lot more of these two Four, teams. all two, all one,
0: right, Mark. Zero. Mark ends it with three seconds to spare. So. There you have it. Uh Pittsburgh, Cleveland, our first ever one minute drill. That wasn't a Thursday night game. So let's roll on to the next one here. Good job, Mark. Uh Let's roll on to the Los Angeles Chargers at the Green Bay Packers game. Huh. There's a lot to. Oh, man. Uh, I would say the Packers rookies shown a little bit in this victory over the Chargers. Jaden Reed had. 46 rushing yards and 46 receiving yards. Don Tavion Wicks had 91 receiving yards. Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave combined for 60 yards. I mean, at the end of the day, this is what has always been. The Chargers defense stinks and Brandon Staley's got to go. There, there's no two ways about it. There hasn't been for a year and a half. Uh, the, Packers had, the Packers had six completions of 20-plus air yards in this game. They averaged under three per game coming in. The Chargers are tied for the highest explosive play rate over the last two years. Jordan Love had the fourth highest EPA of all quarterbacks this week, and he recorded his first ever 300-yard passing game against Brandon Staley's defense. And it's not just the defense. The Chargers' offense keeps shooting themselves in the foot. Keenan Allen dropped two touchdowns. Quentin Johnson had a huge drop at the end that would have won the game. Austin Eckler had a fumble inside the 10. The Chargers ended one of four in the red zone. So the chargers are going to charger Packers get the win. They are technically in contention in the NFC, but they stacked up a lot of injuries. They lost running back Aaron Jones in this game. They lost running back Emmanuel Wilson, leaving only AJ Dillon left active. Uh, Neither are expected to be long-term injuries, but they do play on Thanksgiving against the lions. So if they're unable to go there, I don't know what they're going to do for a rushing attack.
1: I want to read some stats to you, Shane, and I know I know, that quarterback wins are not exactly Shane's favorite stat to talk about, and they're not NFL Twitter's favorite stat to talk about, and I understand why. Obviously, a quarterback can't control every part of the outcome of a game, but I would also say that across sports, in team sports, not individual, obviously, Across team sports, I think a quarterback has more impact on whether a team wins or loses a game than any other athlete does on their sport. Pitchers don't go deep enough anymore. I think too many goals are scored in hockey now. <laughs> Maybe you could argue like the star player on a basketball team. Maybe you could argue like LeBron. I-, I think you could probably say quarterback's more important though because if the star player's down, someone else can step up. If the quarterback's down, your offense is bad. I just want to read you a couple quarterbacks record in in their, in their career. Josh Allen is 58 and 29 under constant fire, constant criticism to Josh Allen. Josh Allen can't walk down the street without people saying that he's being reckless. (laughs) Lamar Jackson. I mean, was he using a crosswalk? Yeah. I, I, you know, he's, he's not a jaywalker. He's not, you know, he's not a, he's not a, he's a good citizen. Lamar Jackson. 53 and 19, 53 and 19 Lamar Jackson is. And we're having conversations. Is he worth the money? Should the Ravens trade him? Well, We had the whole NFL come out and say, oh, we don't want him. Atlanta Falcons immediately, as it could have been possible, were like, we would never want to have an interesting team or a good quarterback. How dare you say that we would want Lamar Jackson? Jalen Hurts is 32 and 12 in his career. Justin Herbert is 29 and 30. Justin Herbert has lost more games than Josh Allen has, and Josh Allen's played in 29 more games. Jalen or Justin Herbert has lost more games than Lamar Jackson has. Or actually, Lamar Jackson has lost 10 less games than Justin Herbert has. He's played in 13 more. Jalen Hurts has won three more games than Justin Herbert has. He's played in 16 less. At a certain point, it can't be the play caller, the head coach, the O-line, the defense, the receivers, the weapons. He has Keenan Allen. He's a top-five receiver. I know he had a bad drop in this game. He's been excellent all season otherwise. He's had Austin Eckler, a top-five, running back throughout his time. I think the O-line has graded out really well this year. I know that the defense is bad. If he was as good as these other quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson has had constant, constant issues on his roster, whether it be with his offensive line or whether it be more so with his weapons. Josh Allen, I, I, we've complained about the, their inability to have a second receiver or a running back or you know a reliable defense at the end of games and big games for his entire career, yet he wins those games. All I'm saying is if Justin Herbert is as good as everyone wants to pretend he is, and as good as he looks when he looks his best on tape, because he had a touchdown in this game, one of the best throws I've ever seen in my life. And I want to throw that out there because he's very obviously a top 10 quarterback. The problem is when he gets talked about with Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, it offends me because those people have accomplished something in their career. That's all That's all I have.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would, I would just point to another quarterback who lost a game last night putting the ball in receiver's hands and they wouldn't bring well, it in. And that's, that's why over
1: a large, uh, over a large sample
0: size though. Sure. That's one sure. Game. Patrick but
1: homes wins like every game he plays otherwise.
0: Yeah. But I mean, Justin Herbert played at an elite level in this game. I thought he played outside <sighs> his mind in this game. I, I really did. Funny. I thought he played such a good game. Like, Go, go! I mean, I don't go find me. Go find me five throws in this game that were bad from him. Like, I, I just. I mean, he was twenty-one for thirty-six. Like, they scored twenty points
1: on the Packers. It's I not like I'm not saying he played bad. I'm definitely not saying he played bad. He had two hundred sixty yards, seven and a half yards per attempt, two touchdowns. I'm not saying he played bad. He got the ball twice with under three minutes to go and a chance to go score a touchdown on the or get a field goal against the Packers. And I know that there was a drop. He put the
0: ball on Quinton. He put the ball One, on a first round receiver's hands on first down. On first down. He had two more downs after that. Like it's still the Packers defense
1: we're talking about. They're a bottom 10 defense. He got the ball twice. He couldn't make anything happen at the end. I know that there was a drop, but it's just 20 points on the Packers defense is not good enough. We're all going to yell and scream about the defense and I'm sorry, Brandon Staley came off like a petulant child in the press conference. He's he should have been fired last year. I've said that more than anybody. Uh, and I I'm not trying to say that it's not his fault and that Justin Herbert's in a perfect situation. But what I am saying is he's right when he says that loss isn't entirely on the defense and it's not entirely on Herbert obviously not either. There were drops and there were a lot of decisions that were made. But the defense held them twice under four minutes. Like they got them the ball back twice and he couldn't get down the field to get a field goal. One of those times I think he got it on like the 40 and he couldn't get the ball 20 yards. And I know that there was a drop, but it's just, I'm not asking him to be 13 and four and win a super bowl. I'm asking for him to not be four and six. I'm asking for him to not blow a 28, nothing lead in the playoffs. And again, I'm not saying He's the only person who blew that 28 to nothing lead. But you can also score in the second <laughs> half. That is allowed. Like, I mean, nobody tell the Chiefs that. Because I, yeah. I you know, that would, nobody tell the Chiefs that. But you are allowed to score in the second half. And I just want Justin Herbert to know that.
0: Yeah, you're allowed to score in the second half unless you are the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That the Dylan Wilkerson, who I know we we clowned for his Dallas Eagles take and we we he thanked us for the engagement by the way I went on his podcast and he was like I don't know what happened but Shane tweeted at me and and the Eagles fans swarmed (laughs) 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 it was it was funny um but yeah he uh he put out an EPA chart with like first half EPA and second
0: half EPA and the the Chiefs stuff is staggering yeah it's it's insane
1: it's staggering I don't know how I got back to the Chiefs but yeah
0: yeah well, I mean, they did, you know, in his words, probably they dominated the Eagles. And he, oh, by the game. way,
1: he absolutely wrote another article being like the Eagles are absolutely lucky, and the Bills plus three and a half are like a five-star play for him. But by the way, he bet on the Eagles this week against the Chiefs. Like, I that was the one funny thing about the, going on that podcast. I'm giving I'm giving him what he wants, talking about him on this podcast. But, That's funny. Uh, he's a good guy. He's just he's just a little too analytical sometimes. Lives his life a little bit too much in the spreadsheets.
0: Yeah. All right, let's keep it rolling here. Uh, Let's go to Houston, where the Houston Texans beat the suddenly uh, feisty Arizona Cardinals. Uh, The Texans left too many points on the board, and I really thought they were fortunate to win this one. Uh, You could also spin that and say the Cardinals got too many stops, and they were fortunate to lose this one, because that's ultimately the goal now, uh, to get that pick as good as possible. But, The Texans had 60-plus yards on each of their first five drives, but they only scored on two of them. They had an interception and two turnover on downs, which you love to see the aggression, but it didn't pay off here. Uh, CJ Stroud threw three interceptions in this game after only throwing two in the previous nine games. That's not to say he played bad, though. Uh, He still had a 250-yard half in this game, that's happened 11 times this year. And CJ Stroud is the only QB to do it more than once doing it three times. Uh, he was asked after the game. Did you, I don't know if you heard this about if you, if your mentality changes after throwing three interceptions, did you hear this quote? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. He said, Steph Curry, don't ever stop shooting. I'm going to keep yeah. letting it ride. Like, I just love that See, mentality I, from a guy. I got no shame
1: in my game. He said,
0: yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Uh, Meanwhile, at Arizona's side, they failed on three fourth down attempts in the fourth quarter. Uh, They end up coming up short here. Mark, this is what's crazy. The Texans, the Houston Texans would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. And I legitimately think they're going to make the playoffs out of the AFC. I know I said that a week ago. I think they're going to get there. We're going to look at the Texans in a playoff game this season.
1: How about this? The Texans are a lock. To make the playoffs, you can block it in. It's a tough cover guarantee. I think they're like minus 290 or something crazy to make the playoffs. Like they're a massive favorite. You look at their schedule, then go take a look at Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Indy, whoever you want to say is in the mix. They have by far the easiest schedule of those teams in the mix. Houston, I think they might lose this week upcoming to Jacksonville. They might win out after that. They they literally might go 12 and five. This might be an 11, 12 win team. I'm extremely confident that they'll be in the playoffs. I actually weirdly walked out of this game thinking like both teams were better than I thought going in. I I don't know why there's all these turnovers, but it just felt like watching the game. I was, I walked away impressed with Arizona's defense that they were able to kind of hold them on those aggressive plays and, You know, you said they were aggressive and we liked that, but the execution wasn't there. A lot of those were because of really good plays by like guys in Arizona secondary or guys getting pressure and guys that don't really have much of a name, guys like we don't know that well on Arizona's defense. But I I do think Gannon had them playing well in this game. Um, So I, and Houston, you know, you walk out, I thought this was a potential trap game for Houston a little bit. Jacksonville next week, they won a couple in a row. Um, That was a big win. I, I think that, changes their playoff odds probably from being like 50 50 to being like 80 90 percent and I know that sounds like a big jump but at this point of the year every win is just absolutely massive and I I don't know how you could really make an argument that CJ Stroud isn't the most if we're just going by the technical definition of the word I think it'd be hard to make an argument that he's not the most valuable player to their team you look at what Houston was before he's gotten there he's changed the culture um, the offense is obviously on a different planet. These are basically the same weapons besides tank Dell that were here before the same O-line that was there before. Um, you know, it's Will Anderson and him that are basically new. It's not like they went out and spent a lot of money in free agency. Um, what, what the Texans are doing this year and D'Amico Ryan's obviously Bobby Slowick, what, what the coaching staff's doing. I mean, it's one of the more impressive seasons I've ever seen. And, and I was, standing on the table all season saying take their win total over five and a half, um, which they cashed in this game, Uh, take their win total over five and a half. And I think they win seven, eight games. Like I think they will be a little bit better than we think they're going to win more than that. They're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, I'm I'm confident
0: in saying that. All right, let's move on to the team that they're about to play. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, The Jaguars win 34 to 14 uh, Trevor Lawrence bounced back from that debacle in San Francisco. Actually, I don't know if it was in San Francisco, but against San Francisco in a big way throwing for 262 yards. He threw for two touchdowns. He rushed for two touchdowns. They pushed the ball downfield. He had an a dot of 9.5 yards, which is the highest for uh, the season. He had an average depth of target of 17 yards on play action passes. Uh, Calvin Ridley, one of the complaints has been they've basically used him outside on either go routes or hitches all season, and they used him less statically. They hit a go from a condensed split. Uh, He scored a touchdown on a corner route from a stack. He scored a touchdown out of the slot. So they started to move Calvin Ridley around more. I thought the Jags offense was pushing a lot of the right buttons this week. Uh, Then on on the Titans side, uh, Will Levis was blitzed on 50% of his dropbacks for the second straight week. Teams are stacking the box and they are blitzing, knowing there won't be time for the downfield shots he wants to throw. Derek Henry only had 38 yards rushing in this game, and I still thought Levis was fine. Like With no running game, being blitzed heavily, he was 13 of 17 for 158 yards and two touchdowns with two sacks. And so I am not saying Will Levis is the answer for the Titans. I'm saying will Levis looks a lot better than I expected and he is not in a particularly good situation. So there's reasons to be hopeful there for Titans fans. But when a big man scores a touchdown, we got to shout it out. So shout out to Jeffrey Simmons for catching a touchdown pass through contact even late in this game for the Titans. Uh, I always love to see a defensive player playing fullback catching touchdown passes the Titans pulled out a bunch of trick plays in this game. Like once they were down
1: huge, they had another like, you know, like flea flicker type play that actually was really, really cool, like a cool design. And, you know, I don't know why they were wasting them in, in this situation, but um, my biggest takeaway from this game is Calvin Ridley um, and a stat. I wanted to look this up because I felt like it made it, it, This is exactly what I thought it would be. It's one of those things where you have an idea. It's like, Oh, let me go check something out. And instead of it being like, Oh, I was, I was totally wrong. My eye test was totally wrong. It was one of those things where it checked out exactly what I thought. In losses, Calvin Ridley has in in those three losses has seven catches for ninety two yards, a little over two catches per game, thirty yards per game, no touchdowns in those three losses. In wins, Calvin Ridley has thirty five catches for four hundred eighty two yards and four touchdowns in, in those seven games. So he has five catches for sixty nine yards and. You know, almost a, a little over a half a touchdown per game um, in those wins. And he has a, you know, yards per target, nine and a half yards in wins, five yards in losses, catch to target ratio of 68% in wins, as opposed to 39% in losses. I almost want to say, as Calvin Ridley goes, it feels like this offense goes. If they have a legitimate number one option and Calvin Ridley's there and engaged, it feels like they're a really scary offense. If not, it feels like they're not. Um, so that that was something that you know I, I wanted to check the stats and it bared out exactly what I kind of felt about the Jag season and I, I will also say this might be one of the least talked about seven and three teams and seven and three campaigns in the history of the NFL and it, like all the conversation is you know is Trevor overrated does Trevor stink all, all these all these conversations uh, they're seven and three they won the division last year went to the second round like it, it's just I, I think different quarterbacks have different rules. And different quarterbacks get different excuses. And and that's kind of always what I have a problem with, uh, with the way that quarterbacks are talked about. And I think Trevor Lawrence has crossed over into that kind of, he gets unfairly talked about a little bit now. And I think people need to kind of look at what the context of what he's asked to to do and look at the successfulness of it. And over the last two years, his record speaks for itself, in my opinion. So um, Trevor Lawrence uh, looked a lot better in this game, but I think the reason is Calvin Ridley.
0: Yeah. All right, let's keep the ball rolling here with the Las Vegas Raiders at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Miami wins this game 20-13. to They turned the ball over three times, including a fumble and an interception by Tua. They missed a field goal, and that was all in the first three quarters. Then they started the fourth quarter with back-to-back three and outs, but in the end, Tyreek Hill prevailed. He had 10 receptions for... 11 or 10 receptions on 11 targets for 146 yards and a touchdown Tyree uh, Tyreek Hill is the first player to have 1200 plus receiving yards in the first 10 games of a season. He has 1,222. Meanwhile, on the Raiders side, actually one more note on Tua, just how important being in rhythm is for Tua on passes thrown under two and a half seconds. He was 22 of 26 for 219 yards and two touchdowns. Passes over two and a half seconds. He was six of 13 for 105 yards and an interception. So disrupting that rhythm is key for a team playing uh, the Dolphins. And when the Raiders were able to do it, it it worked really well for them. The Raiders do look like a competent football team with fourth round rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell. And that's not to say he played well. He had three interceptions. That's more to say after you fire Josh McDaniels, the Raiders are feisty. Which is more than you could say a month ago. So uh, the Raiders are kind of interesting to watch again. Uh, the Dolphins' defense is kind of interesting to watch. or Jalen Ramsey back, uh, he gets two interceptions here, including one to end the game in the end zone. So uh, the Dolphins churn out another win. It's not a pretty one, but they get the win nonetheless. Pick
1: Central on Barstool, a show that I was on a couple of years ago and I call into sometimes um, they do something called the not that bad team of the year um, in the NFL. That's what the Raiders are. They're not that bad. They're pesky. They're feisty. Like they hang in games. They I think they kind of they they symbolize that not that bad kind of thing that they talk about all the time. And, and that's truly what the Raiders are. Antonio Pierce has them hanging tough. Defense is playing a lot better. They're getting the ball to Devontae Adams. Like they they got a deep ball to him in this game that, you know, was the offense good? Did it move the ball consistently? No. But if you make a big play like that happen, then it, it lessens how much you have to do. So um, I, I guess like you could, there's a glass half full, glass half empty way to look at this Dolphins win, right? It's like glass half full. The defense is getting a lot better. And and I guess if you look at Vic Fangio teams, their first half and their second half rankings are always massively different. Apparently, Fangio teams always improve throughout a year. I guess it's a complex defense. They ask you to do different types of things than even the Fangio disciples do. Uh, I think they simplify it a little bit more from what I was reading from people a lot smarter than me. Um, And people were saying that Vic Fangio uh, definitely has teams improved on the stretch, and not to mention, Jalen Ramsey's pretty freaking good, uh, as yeah. we're seeing over these first couple of weeks. So getting Jalen Ramsey back, I mean, when he went down, it kind of changed our outlook on the Dolphins in the off season, and they outperformed what we thought they'd do without him by a lot. Um, but with Jalen Ramsey, it looked like they were going to be a type, you know, Super Bowl type contender. Maybe that's the case, but this off the offense was a little weird in this game, a- and like you said, it's just if you get to a, a, out of you know off script, it, it, it becomes. Uh, a lot different of an offense. And, and I'm a Tua guy, I'm a Tua defender. And me saying that isn't admitting like, oh, Tua stinks, or oh, you can't win with Tua. But what it is saying is, you know, there's a very specific way to attack the Dolphins. They have to come up with an adjustment to that. And whether that is just even more quick routes, and that might be the adjustment. You know, you have Waddle and Hill. You have the ability to do that. When if A chain gets back healthy, he came back and got hurt in this game, you have him to do that as well. But Let's move on to the
0: next game. All right. Let's go to the last game in the Sunday early slate. Uh, The New York Giants at the Washington Commanders. Tommy DeVito! Hey, I'm (laughs) walking here! Yeah, the Giants win this game 31-19. to They force six turnovers, three fumbles, and three interceptions to complete the season sweep of the Commanders, including a 54-yard pick six by Isaiah Simmons to seal the game. Uh, UDFA Tommy DeVito was 18 of 26 for 246 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions and nine, nine sacks. Uh, It's really unfortunate news for the Giants because not only did that win probably knock them out of the number one pick sweepstakes, they went from second to fifth right now. Um, It also greatly increased the chance that they will pay Tommy DeVito $40 million next year based on this one game. So Uh, really bad outcome for the Giants, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah, I bet the commies minus eight and a half in this game, which is an embarrassing thing to admit when they lost by 12. I was only (laughs) off by about 20 and a half points there. Um, But uh, I I would just like to say like third quarter came around. And as soon as I started realizing, like, they're not coming back, like they're not going to come back and win this game, let alone cover you just started rooting for the Giants because I do not want Caleb Williams and the Giants. Uh, me and Shane were talking about it off air. With Kyler coming back, and even how they lost that game, it looks like they will win another game or two. I actually think they're going to win this week against the Rams. That's my bet of the week. There you go, folks. Um, but uh, Arizona is going to win too much. This this win for the Giants is huge. They might win another one down the stretch. It now is looking like Caleb Williams is going to be a Chicago Bear or a New England Patriot. So. That's that's where we're at. So I'm
0: happy. Very, very happy that the Giants lost this game. All right. We've got a Broncos fan in the chat asking about Broncos Vikings. So let's skip to Sunday night football and we'll come back to the afternoon games while he's here. Uh, So Broncos country NFL on YouTube. Here you go. Here's your shout out. We'll talk about the Denver Broncos victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Let's ride 21 to 20. Uh, The Vikings led the majority of this game, but Denver was able to come out on top uh, they scored their first touchdown of the game on the final drive of the game to take that lead, and Denver is on a four-game winning streak for the first time since 2016. Um, Josh Dobbs cooled off in this game. He tossed one interception. He fumbled three times, although they only were they only lost one of those. Uh, he did keep the Vikings in it, though. I mean, he's 20-32, 221 yards and a touchdown. He made some good plays with his feet. Uh, But Denver was able to pressure him on 58% of his dropbacks. Um, Had two sacks, uh, three tackles for loss. They had 10 QB hits. The Denver defense played really well in this one. And then Russell Wilson snapped a five-game streak of under 200 passing yards, which was the longest of his career. And suddenly he's gone four games without an interception, his longest streak since joining the Broncos. So not only are the Broncos on a four-game winning streak, Russ hasn't turned the ball over in four games. The defense is coming off a good performance. And by the way, the Broncos are only one game out of the AFC wildcard right now. So this is looking more like we thought it would. Mm -hmm. Not that the Broncos are world beaters, not that Russell Wilson's fixed. I think he's still a problem and you need to move on. But this is more like what we expected when Sean Payton took over in Denver. Yeah, this is kind of exactly
1: what we expected, like five and five, you know, they'd be right in the mix an eight, nine win team. Um, It's funny. I had Vikings plus three as my bet of the week. And so it feels like in my head, the Vikings won this game because they covered (laughs) and shout out to them for stopping on, stopping them on that two point conversion. That was, that was huge for me. Uh, But the Josh Dobbs thing, I want to push back a little bit on. I thought he played awesome in this game. And I know he took the O-line's a problem that he took a lot of pressure, like, he got away from so much of it like I think if Kirk Cousins was playing in this game and this isn't saying that he's better than Kirk Cousins but with that offensive line if Kirk Cousins was playing in this game they wouldn't have been close like the touchdown that he had he had to make it happen and he dropped it off as he was going out of bounds like ran in for the touchdown cash the anytime touchdown by the way Josh Dobbs anytime touchdown might might be something people have to start thinking about he's He's been running like a madman especially in the red zone. Um I think Josh Dobbs is playing like a top 15 quarterback right now and this game didn't stop that belief. Um he was the better quarterback in this game in my opinion even though he he got sacked a lot. The fumbles there was there's something going on with the center here. Like the center and the quarterback could not get figured out. I felt like two two of those I think were on exchanges from from the center to Dobbs. So that was something weird in this game. But Denver, I mean, hats off, a defense that gave up 70 points has really turned it around. I'm sure if you filtered that out or just since that game, I'm sure it's like uh, I'm sure his uh, his record is or, or the defensive stats there. The defensive you know, numbers are probably top 10 in, in the NFL.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I don't think I guess I wouldn't say Dobbs played bad. Uh, and that's one of the things we've talked about too. The mobility mobility is so huge, like that offensive line mobility can help solve that. And you're seeing that Josh Dobbs has done really well at extend extending plays, both scrambling and just getting out of the pocket and, and pushing the ball downfield. So uh, the Vikings are definitely an interesting team to watch down the stretch to maybe make a push for NFC Wild Card.
1: Yeah, no, I will not make a push. They're a lock. I, okay. I think the NFC, i think the nfc playoffs are locked in besides the nfc south you can make an argument saints falcons bucks whoever whatever i think we're locked in to eagles niners lions nfc south winner cowboys vikings seahawks i think that's going to be the seven i don't buy in at all to any other team getting in the mix there
0: yeah all right so there we go uh Comment here from Broncos country. It says, "A mobility. I agree. Mobility is one of the best attributes to have. It is so key uh, in so many different situations. So
1: Russ has even been using it more uh, as of late too, um, not to run, but to really scramble in the pocket, and it's led to him having the best stretch he's
0: had as a Bronco. So uh, I, I mean, it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mobility doesn't mean rushing yards. Uh, it just means yeah. escapability. Dak. Yeah, Dak, Dak too. We example. always talk about it with Dak. Yeah." So, okay, let's get into the Sunday afternoon slate. We've got three games left here. Uh, We'll start off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the San Francisco 49ers. Um, The Buccaneers lose 27 to 14. Brock Purdy has come off of the bye week playing nearly flawless football. He had a 149 passer rating last week. He had the perfect 158.3 this week was 21 of 25 for 333 yards and three touchdowns. It was the first passer rate, perfect passer rating for a 49ers quarterback since Joe Montana did it in 1989. Uh, Tampa Bay was inside the 49ers' 15-yard line twice in the fourth quarter while trailing by 13. They failed to score both times. Tampa, in a problem that goes back to last year, they still can't run the ball. Which makes them entirely reliant on Baker Mayfield. And while being entirely reliant on Tom Brady was okay, being entirely reliant on Baker Mayfield is not a place you want to be in 2023. Uh, and I mean, the San Francisco defense is playing really well, too. The addition of Chase Young has paid off. Uh, unfortunately for them, Talanoa Hufanga had a knee injury uh, that Kyle Shanahan said was, quote, most likely a torn ACL. Uh I can probably look up if that's finalized for now, but I'm sure it is. When a coach says that, that is what happens. So uh you're you're probably looking at the rest of the season without yeah, and it was confirmed it's a torn ACL. So Hufango will miss the rest of the season in the backfield uh for the 49ers secondary.
1: Yeah, that's massive. Uh that's definitely their weakest part of their entire roster, is their secondary. Like D-line, linebacker, O-line weapons uh, are definitely stronger. So um, I don't have much to say about this game. You know, Brock Purdy, if he wasn't Brock Purdy, would be an MVP candidate, I think. Um, But it's hard to make that case when Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Trent Williams are are all, you know, there. Uh, It's just they have an unbelievable roster. And these were one of those games where it just strengthens the belief that San Francisco is by far the biggest threat to the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not even close.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get into the next game on the slate here, which is the New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Throw in the challenge flag. One minute drill. All right. Mark's putting me on the clock for the one T minute drill. One minute. So let's go. All right. So the Bills win this game, 32 to six. They started slow, had a negative yardage field goal drive after their defense scored, forced a turnover. Had two more field goals and a punt on their first four drives. Uh, but then the offense got back to back touchdown drives before halftime where Josh Allen was 5 of 5 for 145 yards with two touchdowns. Meanwhile on the Jets side, they shattered a they shattered a record here. They broke a streak, 41 straight drives without a touchdown and they finally got one and then Zach Wilson got benched anyways in the late third quarter for Tim Boyle after going seven for 15 for 81 yards with one touchdown and an interception. He also took five sacks, had a QBR of 3.8. It is indefensible that the New York Jets didn't go get Josh Dobbs, go get Jacoby Brissett, heck, even get Carson Wentz after the Rodgers injury. They knew that they were wasting a defense. That's why they made a move. Rodgers got hurt week one. They should have got a No doubt about it. All right. There we go. Man. There's a little bit of an adrenaline rush racing that clock as it starts counting down. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. I was like, I'm going to get done too early. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I still have more things I want to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I had that with the 30 seconds, but the one minute the when you hit it with me, I was like, oh, can I be done in 30?
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get into our last game. It is the Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams win this game 17 to 16. Uh, Matthew Stafford looked healthy in this game after missing a game with a thumb injury, uh, but the Rams offense struggled in the first half and really throughout the entire game. I thought, uh, after throwing an interception down nine in the fourth quarter, Matthew Stafford led back to back scoring drives and got the win. And then on the Seahawks side, Geno Smith got off to a hot start and then the offense ground to a halt. And then in the third quarter up 16 to seven as uh, Smith injured his arm and drew Locke entered the game and he went two of six with one interception failed to pick up a first down on any drive. And they put Gino back in the game with a minute 31 left and no timeouts. And they got the Seahawks into field goal range, but they missed a 55 yard field goal that would have won the game. And did you see the thing about the speaker in the helmet? Did you hear about that? I, I did. I yeah. Did. So apparently they, they, they had a pass, no timeouts and they ran up to the line of scrimmage and did a run play that gained like one yard and then spiked it to kick the field goal. And Wilson said after the game that he couldn't hear on the speaker. And I think people said that like that meant the speaker went out. It wasn't working, but then somebody acted like, no, there was a bunch of people talking into the headset and he couldn't hear what to do. I don't really know what happened there, but uh, either way, I don't know why. Why wouldn't you just spike the ball? Like if there's any confusion, why wouldn't you just clock it and then get a play call in? I don't really know uh, why you play that out that way, but that was a big loss for Seattle.
1: Yeah, it's a big loss. I don't think it'll impact them um, in terms of the wild card race, but it ends any dream or hopes they had um, I- at competing for the division. The Rams just own them. That's the NFC West coaching cycle. Like, you know, McVeigh Mick- owns Carroll. Carroll owns Shanahan. Shanahan owns McVeigh. They all own the Cardinals. <laughs> That's kind of like what it is.
0: Yeah. Uh, This was also, this was Stafford's 35th career fourth quarter comeback. So it gives him the sixth most in the NFL history. Uh, You want to guess who he trails or do you want me to tell you? Tell me. All right. So he trails uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, and then Drew Brees for fourth quarter comeback wins. Not bad company. Not bad company. So, all right. Well, that wraps it up. That gets us through our week 11 recap show. Uh, We're going to throw it to our final thoughts here. And for my final thought, uh, I'm going to resume canceling teams. I took a few weeks off from canceling teams uh, to do some other things in my final thoughts. But previously, I have canceled the Chargers, the Bears, the Falcons, the Giants, and the Patriots. All five of which won the game following when I canceled them, I might add. Uh, Today, I'm canceling the Washington Commanders you don't get to lose. You don't get to get swept by a team. I already canceled in the giants and remain uncanceled. Uh, so the Washington commanders, they are no longer relevant until such a time as which they fire Ron Rivera and take getting an NFL quarterback seriously. So uh, I don't think Sam Howell's it. He's less of a problem than Rivera, but this is a team that needs major help and they need to clean house and start over. I fully expect them to do that this off season, but Washington you're canceled. I'm done with you this season.
1: That's my final my thought. Fi- I, I, I totally agree with it. That team stinks. Um, My final thought, is, as always, is my just leans for next week. And it's Steelers' money line at the Bengals. Saints' money line at the Falcons. Colts' minus 2.5 against the Buccaneers. Cardinals' money line against the Rams. Eagles' minus 3.5 against the Bills. And the Vikings minus three and a half against the Bears. Those are my early leans and the touchdown scorers, obviously. Allen, Dobbs, Hurts, you know the drill.
0: All right. Well, that is going to do it. Thank you guys for joining us for episode number 131 of Chalk Talk. If you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do, smash that subscribe button and turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode. Drop us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, just even the little thumbs up helps the algorithm a lot to get this out there to more people. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm on I'm on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. Mark is on Twitter at Mark Henry Junior. And we will catch you guys next time.